Hi, my name is Les Heron, and this is my podcast. The podcast name is The Journey Life with Les Heron, and you got it right. I am Les Heron. So I am in a series or starting a series on encounters with God, encountering God, experiencing God in different ways, in stranger ways than you might think. I really love the the life coaching aspect of things, the nuts and bolts of our part of kingdom life and our part of abundant life. However, I don't want to leave out um, or minimize the encountering God aspect of things because we do have a work to do, but what doesn't ever again minimize the work that God is doing. So we start with this incorruptible, indestructible seed in this way and we don't use life coaching then to take over from the work of God. We use life coaching to, to work alongside and to walk out of faith the things of God, okay? So we don't want to be like the Galatians and be, be bewitched or beguiled or led astray by other things that, will, that we think will bring us salvation or abundance or the goodness of God. So encounters, experiences, I'm not going to give an exact definition of what I mean by any of that. We'll kind of explore that on our way. But uh, just for encounters is, is, an, is a, just a different, not just an intellectual ascent or an intellectual agreement, but a, the tingly feeling, the, the, the thing you feel that like there's something present here, right now, here in my prayer, in my moment that there's something right there. That's the encounter I'm talking about. The, the, I have no peace. And then in one moment I have peace, that encounter. I, uh, my mind's confused and I'm desperate for an answer. And in a moment there's like somebody's there and, and we'd all say, yes, God is always there, but there's an encounter an experience that we can have. We can call this encountering God, experiencing God, pursuing God, um, but how, what, whatever it is, there's a heart condition that we can begin to believe in, we can begin to cultivate, we can begin to uh, look after our hearts that will move us in this direction of encountering God more. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. I'm not sure that's a they will see God in heaven or they will see God on earth. I think it's both. I think a lot of the best things in scripture we leave for heaven and we leave all the crummy stuff for here on earth. It's like it's like our death, when we die, we'll get the good stuff, but we don't get the good stuff when Jesus died. You know, even though that's the that's the turning point or the hinge of everything turning good. Now, an open heart is a heart that's fertile, that's ready, that's good for the seeds of divine revelation, the seeds of encounter, where the scripture of God can sprout up into encounters for ourselves and us bringing others into encounters. And as that happens, things change. So I'm going to talk a little bit today. The crux of it's going to be um, how do we cultivate that heart? But I want to go back to Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because when we hear that, a lot of people are like, well, how do I know my heart's pure? What if it's not pure? I had a bad thought last night. I drank too much last night. I yelled at my dog. Um, 
you know, I pushed aside a friend trying to get on the playground, things like that. And what I would like to just declare to say or to believe is that God has given me a new heart. So therefore, my heart that they're talking about is a pure heart. I am one of those that are pure in heart and I will see God here and later here now in the, the, the ability that I have in the flesh and in my soul to see God, but that spirit part that I will see God in heaven upon my death is perfect, but my soul and my body aren't, those can be barriers. But, but, but I want us to just think, and I want you to believe, and I want you to declare with me, I am pure in heart. Go ahead, say it. I am pure in heart. If you're in your car, say it out loud. I am pure in heart. God has made my heart pure. Now, do I always walk it out? No. Do I always live it? No. Do I always manifest that pure heart? No. But I don't, I'm not working to get a pure heart. God has given me a pure heart because of the work done at the cross. So I start with, I come from, I am pure in heart. Therefore, I will see God. Therefore, I will encounter God. Therefore, I will experience God. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Now, I'm going to go over eight things that will help us prepare an open heart, help us cultivate. Like cultivate is like that blade that goes in the ground and stirs up that ground, gets it prepared for seed. And I don't think enough of us do enough cultivation or that we don't think our spiritual discipline is cultivation. And maybe the way you do spiritual disciplines, maybe the way you read your Bible and meditate and have quiet time and pray is not a very uh, cultivating, heart-cultivating activity that you do. Maybe the, your spiritual disciplines are more, this is going to sound a little bit rough, maybe they're more um, religious disciplines, and you're actually layer upon layering, hardening your heart. But we're going to talk about eight different ways that we can cultivate an open heart. I might throw one or two in there. We'll see. But there's going to be about eight. You'll know when this is over. Number one, and these, and these are not in any order of importance, but one of the things you can do to cultivate an open heart is to engage in self-examination. Now, the journey to an open heart, to an open mind, begins with honest self-examination. David in the Psalms, in the scripture, was great at that. He was just like, you read through the scripture and like the message or the, the passion translation in any translation that you're not familiar with. And wow, you'll see a guy who's honest with God about himself. And he's also honest with God about what he thinks about God. And it's not always uh, sunshine and roses. He is often concerned, mad, completely ticked off, completely depressed that God is nowhere to be found, at least in his thinking, God's nowhere to be found. In Psalms 139, 23, David says, search me, God, and know my heart. David understood something that we don't understand is that God's searching of our heart is awesome. It's not a bad thing. Is it painful? Yes. Painful like surgery, like taking out cancer, painful painful like resetting a broken bone that makes it all right and better but he understood that 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 god revelation was necessary to highlight to show those areas of david's heart that aren't aligned with god's will or god's heart or god's ways 
And we have a big issue with that. The, often the last thing we want is to engage in self-examination or we engage in self-examination from a shameful, hidden, I'm a horrible person. Look at all the bad things. There's no hope for me. I'm just glad God can barely love me, that he let me in. I'm just going to sit here in the, the very back of the palace walls in my rags, and I'm not going to eat any of the king's food. I'm not going to put on any good clothes. I'm not going to sing or dance. I'm not going to get a hug from my father. I'm just going to be there self-examining how, 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 how much I don't fit into the kingdom, okay? But when we invite God to shine his light on our hearts, and he's always shining his light, but we don't see it. I was like, ah, I don't want to see myself. Um, but we must be willing to, to do that and to confront and deal with what he reveals. So often, though, we're so busy confronting and dealing with what, uh, what we're revealing to ourselves instead of what God's revealing to us or what we read in a book. And it gets very superficial when we're confronting superficial things. So God doesn't necessarily want to confront adultery. He wants to confront the heart of adultery that comes far before adultery is committed. Okay. He wants to, he doesn't want to confront you about punching your neighbor in the face. He wants to confront you about the anger and control uh, issues that you have way before you punch your neighbor in the face. Now, we should be unafraid of God knowing and examining our hearts, okay? And I think that a lot of us get the scripture from communion about examining our hearts that we think we're supposed to examine ourselves based on ourselves when we're supposed to look at it. I think what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to examine our hearts and say, where am I believing that I am a child of God? Where am I believing? Where am I not believing that God is good? Where am I not believing that my heart isn't good? And we come from that, that, that belief perspective that, that I'm unafraid of God's seeing. I'm unafraid of myself knowing. And sure, it hurts when God shows you something really deep. It doesn't hurt that much when somebody tells me, well, you're an aggressive communicator. I'm like, duh. And, you know, and so it's, it's, it's those things like that. So to end with this on ex self-examination, any fear that we feel uh, from God knowing us or exposing something in us is shame. It's shame. S-H-A-M-E. That's the S word of scripture is shame, which is, of course, you already know who this is from. It's from the devil. All right. It's from Lucifer. It's from Satan. So every time you're afraid of God knowing and examining you or, or yourself exposing something to God in prayer, then you know that you're listening to the devil. You're listening to the enemy of your soul. All right. So the second thing here, again, not in any order of importance, but when we, when we have that highlight, uh, when God has searched us, know our heart, and we hear something, see something from him. I don't mean from everything around us of people telling us a dozen different things. I think God often talks one thing, one thing at a time, and it's pretty deep. And you take care of that one thing the Lord is highlighting, 
then that's a root in a lot of these other, the manifestation, the outward appearance of many of those things are taken care of. So acknowledging, repenting, yes, acknowledging that, hey, I've got some shortcomings, but we still have to act upon that. So repentance means not just to turn away, but it means to think again. So God has showed me something. And often what I do is I think my same thoughts. Oh, no, I'm a horrible person. My heart's really bad. However, true repentance is, oh, my gosh, God showed me something. My blown. I'm going to rethink what I thought about lust, about anger, about drunkenness, about fear, about lack of faith, about laziness, about greed. I'm going to rethink something very specific about how I was thinking. And then based on my new thoughts, I'm going to begin to act differently than I have ever acted before because I've had some revelation. I don't think true repentance is is available or possible without revelation. I don't think it can come just like somebody told you something like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because something can make sense and it can appear to be true, but not, and it doesn't mean we have a revelation, all right? So, yes, we turn away from those actions, but first we change our mind. And then our attitudes and our habits and our actions that grieve God's heart, that hurts our life and hurts the lives of those around us, those things begin to change, all right? An open heart that's ready, looking, seeking for encounter is a repentant heart. And it's quick to say, God, I got it wrong. And it's, so it's, it's quick to say, God, I got it wrong. And I'm gonna rethink this and I'm gonna live differently from here on out. It's a struggle to get revelation because your brain is like, working against revelation it's like oh here's some revelation god's like last this is what y'all want to you to know and you're like oh i already know something god less i want you to know this release what you've been taught god i already know something i like what i know i feel smart when i know it i'm doing what i know and god so there's a fight there for it to be truly revelation over time i think we need it it's a bit painful repentance is a bit painful living out differently than we were before is a bit painful. So again, repentance says, God, I got it wrong, and I'm going to rethink this. I'm going to live differently from here on out. Okay, so so the second one is repentance and forgiveness. We've got to practice repentance and forgiveness. We're practicing Christians. We're practicing Christians. We're practicing Christians. We practice in self-examination. We practice repentance. We practice forgiveness. Okay, so Christ has forgiven us, so we forgive those who have wronged us, all right? And an unforgiving heart is one of the biggest barriers we have to God's very best for us. Often, our unforgiving heart is what is stopping us from progressing forward. It's not other people. It's not the devil, all right? It's, it's not circumstances. It's our unforgiveness. Our unforgiveness is a blocker of the great things of God, all right? I love Peter comes to Jesus in Matthew 18 and says, hey, hey, Jesus, hey, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? About seven times? That sounds like a lot, right? And Jesus says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times, all right? 
Jesus emphasizes that forgiveness is not limited, but to be extended generously. The third, the third way to cultivate an open heart is humility. Humility is a key ingredient when it comes to softening our hearts. And humility is hard to come by. Humility can be disguised as acts of religion without any humility there at all. People can even point to us and say, wow, that's a really humble guy. But we've just been really careful about curating our image. Now, humility is to recognize that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. And God's ways are higher, more important, more better than my ways. I am reliant on him, his grace, his mercy, his peace, his love for everything, for breath, for water, for gravity, for the earth functioning, for the world functioning, for me being alive here on earth. Right. Proverbs three tells us that God mocks. He, he mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. How many of you need favor? Favor for what? Favor for encounters, favor for peace, favor for prosperity and success. Absolutely. Walk in humility. Humility is a really tough tough thing to cultivate humility. I find myself constantly going back and forth with some false humility of, of, uh, Oh, I'm not that good. I shouldn't try that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to put that out there because you know, I'm not that good at writing or I'm not, not that good at speaking. Then pride. I don't normally say, Oh, I'm amazing at speaking. Well, I never say I'm amazing at speaking, but, uh, pride is something that is pretty silent for me but it's there and I can feel it. And I don't feel it like, like it's not boisterous in me, but I tell you what, I can, I can, I can hear myself sometimes, sometimes talking to people and I can hear this little tiny thing. That's prideful. You're positioning yourself. And that my friend is not cultivating humility. Cultivating humility can be some hard work for all of us but it's worth it. And if we want to be lifted up, it's okay to want to be lifted up. Lifted up in your job, lifted up in your career, lifted up in your, lifted up in your spiritual gifting in your ministry, lifted up as a parent, as a spouse, lifted up in whatever that means in scripture to be lifted up. And humility acknowledges our dependence on God and it creates a space for encounters. Humility acknowledges our dependence on God and it creates a space for influence in our hearts, our minds, and our bodies, okay? So we want to pursue and cultivate humility. I think humility is less pursuing humility and more cultivating humility. I hadn't thought about that till just now because we pursue certain things and I love that imagery, but with humility, it's long-term, hard, diligent work of, of uh, using that plow to plow out some hardened ground in our heart. All right, I'm, I'm going a little bit, little bit quicker through these, so that's good. I, I, I seem to 
always have a lot to add. Um, I have been, you know, like like some of you have just been reading scripture for a long time and teaching. And and so when I, when I read one thing, it goes off into not just one other thing, it goes off into five things. So thank you for sticking with me on some of these things. And and uh, this fourth thing that we can do to uh, cultivate an open heart, to prepare for divine encounters is to just immerse ourselves in God's word. I mean, just like in God's, in, in, in scripture, in just in, in, in worship even. I, I don't think I have worship as one of these eight, but in scripture, in worship, in talking about the things of God. I don't mean talking about the things of God in relationship to trying to prove your politics. I mean asking people, what does this mean? What does this mean to you? How are you living at this out? Have you ever, ever experienced this? Now, the word of God is divinely inspired. It's a divine mirror that reveals to us our true selves, and it guides us in the ways of righteousness. It doesn't give us righteousness. That comes from Jesus, all right? We are his righteousness. It's, well, I'm righteous. I have right standing with the Father because of Jesus, okay? But the more I read the word, the deeper I get in Scripture, the more I allow God's voice through Scripture God's truth through scripture, the stories through scripture, the principles in scripture to shape my heart and to shape my mind and to shape my principles, my values, my attitudes, which all align my heart with his, which means my actions, my actions then become actions that he is super happy with and that I am super happy with because they're actually actions that I say I want to take, all right? Remember, in Romans, Paul says, I know what I want to do and I know what I'm supposed to do, but I found that I can't do it. And often that is just because we haven't backed up and gone upstream. So that our actions are downstream problems, okay? And if we're only working on downstream problems, then we're never going to get the the attitudes, the values, the principles, the thoughts, the mindset, the beliefs taken care of, which are upstream problems and upstream solutions, okay? We want God's truth to shape us, to shape us in every way. And the more we read scripture, the more we'll see bad people encountering a good God. I'm laughing at that because, man, some of these people are really bad that are encountering God. We wouldn't, we wouldn't let them preach to us. We wouldn't let them on our church board. We would, we would, we would discount them pretty quick. We might not even let them in our, in our, in our church when we saw them, but God loves it when people's hearts open to encounter. And we don't have to have, again, we don't have to have, be all cleaned up. We just need to have a need and a pure heart in that way to hear and to see God and to believe that we can hear and see him. Now, David says in Psalm, 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin. An open heart, I'm sorry. Yeah, an open heart treasures God's word and it guides our steps and his word in our heart expands and it shifts down again, it goes downstream and it keeps us from sinning against him. It's a beautiful thing. And it, it's, it's an encountering God sort of thing. 
So number five, the fifth way you can prepare for divine encounters by cultivating an open heart. And just want to say, I'm, I, I am, I did take some notes on preparing for divine encounters by cultivating an open mind. I think they're different because the mind is more specific. So you might be hearing that from me later on uh, next week. But the, this fifth one is to stir up love and compassion for encountering God. An open heart is a loving heart. When my heart is open, I'm mirroring the love of God. I'm extending compassion and kindness to others. I'm giving to others. I'm seeking to understand rather than judge. I'm quicker to forgive. I'm quicker to like and to compliment and to show gratitude. I'm quicker to motivate. I'm quicker to build up people rather than tear down. Um, when I'm stirring up love and compassion, I'm, I'm going to a place with this. First uh, Peter 4 it tells us above all love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins now that love each other deeply is within the context of the church that peter is talking to at this time but that doesn't mean we don't extend it to everyone else but most of us struggle just to love each other in our churches deeply all right and we want other people's love to cover a multitude of our sins but we don't want to do the work that uh, forces or, or allows our love, we don't want to do the work to cultivate the love within us that we can love each other deeply that covers a multitude of sins. And as we choose to walk in love, our hearts begin to resonate with the heartbeat of God, which makes us more receptive to his presence, to his guidance, to encounter, to experiences with him, okay? And I was a pastor for like 10 or 12 years in a bar. It's a music venue, quite nice. I mean, it doesn't, it's not like it was like smoke filled room or anything like that. Although I did have to several mornings clear up uh, broken beer bottles right where I was going to preach on the, on the front when I moved my, uh, my uh, pulpit up there, my podium. So that was fun. That was great. But one thing we did, we had a lot of needy people there and, and God really <clears throat> stirred up another level of love and compassion within me. He's done that multiple times with multiple groups. And it's really irritating when God, for me, it's really irritating when God doesn't just say generally love, but love this group of people. Don't just love in general, like, oh, I love people, but to love specifically. And that's done a great work in me, and it's been a painful work, but it's a work that I'm super appreciative for. And one thing I learned during this time is stated in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, chapter 25. I think it's, it, it is in other, it's in some of the other Gospels, but it's Jesus. Uh, he says, for when I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me, okay? When we do things in Jesus' name for the least of these, Jesus shows up in the middle of that. Now, later on, they ask, hey, when did we, you know, we never saw you. We never gave you food. We never gave you a drink. We never invited you into our house. We never gave you clothes. We never visited you in prison. And that's when he says, when you do something for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, Jesus is calling all of these needy people, his brothers and sisters, and something happens. 
something happens God encounter wise experiencing God when we give to people when we love people so important to show up and to extend a hand and a heart and to love people all righty all righty all righty so number six six way to cultivate an open heart to prepare your heart for divine encounters this one's going to be short I don't quite get how to do this one um but i it, it's it's a it's an attitude it's a mindset it's a it's a practice that you might just have to keep saying these words i surrender i surrender number six is practice surrender an open heart is surrender is a surrendered heart an open heart is surrendered to god you don't you don't relinquish control of your mind or you know things like that and although you do relinquish control of your mind to god but you're still in control of your mind um uh, th th there's got to be some good illustration for that i can't think of it right now if you think of something let me know but an open heart relinquishes control to god submitting to god's will and timing surrender is challenging but it's liberty liberating it frees us from uh being reliant on myself i have to know why i have to know what's going on i have to know what's going on tomorrow i can't enter into an encounter with the lord unless i'm in control aha i might have just heard hit a nerve there i can't enter into an experience with god unless i know how it's gonna end hmm i can't i can't encounter god because i oh here, here maybe like this i can't speak in tongues because i need to know what it means all the time i can't speak in tongues because i need to know why i'm doing it i need to see something happen right away but i surrender to that it says in the scripture speak in tongues i want to speak in tongues it says in scripture prophesy i want to prophesy says in scripture give financially i give financially i don't i can surrender to those things i don't have to i'm not surrendering to a, a teaching or a theology i'm surrendering to who i know god to be in scripture and he's a giver and he's mystical and he's a, you know he's he's gracious and kind and forgiving so i give that and i surrender to those things and proverbs uh, chapter three says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight now i love my understanding i love it more now at 61 than i did at 21 31 41 or 51. i think that's because i more and more have my my mind myself my thoughts my principles the the how i think in alignment with him i'm not sure i've worked hard at not embracing weird theology. I've worked hard at not embracing, you know, movements, but staying steady in God's a good God. God's real. I can know him. He loves me and I can experience him and he wants me to follow him. And it looks like something specific and it looks like something from scripture based in scripture. So practice surrender. <clears throat> reminds me of uh what is it george costanza on uh seinfeld is uh, like his dad is like you know they're like oh you just need to have serenity and he just puts his hands up in there and goes serenity i think that's the word it's serenity and sometimes we just have to say surrender god i don't need to know 
I trust you. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know how. I trust you. Not that it leads to laziness or it leads to like hopelessness or it leads to, well, God's not doing anything, so there's nothing for me to do, but there's a trusting that God is doing something and that surrender in to an encounter. The more I think about it, since I'm, I've been talking just on this number six, the more I think that the surrender has been really good for me when it comes to encounters and really, really hard. And that surrender means obedience to the really small voice of what he's telling me to do. I got a great story of driving down to Bethel from Richland, Washington, and all I heard the Lord say for that trip is be quiet. Two words, seven letters, be quiet. And I had to honor that word. The very moment, though, that I got there, I had an opportunity to not be quiet, to drive down there with four or five other people. And God's like, I told you to be quiet. You can't be quiet in a car with four or five people. So I drove by myself while my buddy was driving with other people, like seven or eight hours long. Surrender, surrender, surrender. For me, earlier this year, it was be quiet. What is it for you to practice surrender? All right, number seven. Number seven in cultivating your heart is cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Gratitude, something about gratitude that we've, you know, gratitude, thankful journal, gratitude journal, practice gratitude, things like that. Um, I think, you know, that's all good, but there's a, there's a depth of gratitude simply that I'm his child, simply that something shifted when I came to the family and my eternity is taken care of. Everything in between is really, really small. Everything in between of those two things isn't insignificant, but it's significantly less than me entering the family and me entering heaven into the presence of God, all right? And I wanna be grateful for salvation, grateful for eternal life, and grateful for everything in between. Gratitude really does transform radically our hearts and our minds. It shifts our focus off of what we don't have, what we lack, what we want but don't have, what other people have that we don't have that we want, it, it focuses from what we lack to the God's abundance. It focuses from what you know, our challenges are to uh, where we've been victorious and to where God's been faithful. And a heart filled with gratitude is a heart primed and ready to see God's goodness in all circumstances. All right. And gratitude is for, for when it comes to entering into experiences is to start now being thankful for every little time you've heard God. I'm not gonna share it right now, but at this very desk, I've got a really cool, kind of a heavy wood and real simple, really good lines desk. It's like actually worn out where, where my hands have done, uh, been on this side and my arm from the, from the computer and where my mouse is here, there's a big, big worn out spot. And, and I'll, I'll get a new desk someday, but I was at my desk listening to uh, Wendy Backlund do a teaching on encounters. And I think she actually walked us through an encounter. And I, and I, in my mind, I was like, I, I don't have, I've never, I don't hear God. <clears throat> and that's all I could think is I don't hear God. So that, that eliminates me or excuses me from encountering God because I wanted to encounter God 
and but I was afraid of encountering God's. I was asking to encounter God, but I was also going, I don't know if I want to encounter God. All right. It's like, I want to get married, but I don't want to have to date or struggle through any of the embarrassment or the pain of getting to know someone or the pain of commitment to be married. All right. And I, and I, I felt like, um, I was at my desk right here and I'll do the full fuller story later on, but it's like in a moment, I felt like the possible had those things fall out of his, I felt like two contact lenses fell and clinked on my desk. In fact, so much so that I looked on my desk and on the floor for what fell. And from that moment on, and for, for that, in that, in that moment, God just lined out all the times I've heard him. He, some dreams I'd had, some jobs I took because of, uh, because of his word, because of hearing him. But I, I just, it, for me in that moment, it's like, I don't hear God. And I, I, would, I would say that all the time. I'm not very spiritual. I'm not prophetic. I don't hear God very often. I don't dream. And I have found out that I do dream. I do hear from God. So lots, lots of good stories I'll share through this. And, um, but gratitude is really important. Yeah, so so going on to number eight, it are uh, preparing for divine encounters and cultivating our heart, opening up our hearts, is this foster expectation. Now, foster expectation, as I just said, I had almost no expectation that I was going to encounter God. And I mean, I've encountered God like in a, more in the last six or seven years, probably since 2016, 17, so six or seven years than I have all of my life combined probably. I've had uh, words for people, dreams for people. Um, I've had, uh, you know, the shaking, the falling down. The I, I even have, I'll share this experience. I did a workshop on encounters a couple years ago. I shared the experience of, uh, I'm going to say this, you know, don't, don't, don't judge me. But I, uh, I felt like I smelled the presence. No, I, I did smell the presence of God, not once, but about six times in one three-day period. And it was started out to be super annoying, embarrassing, amazing experience that I'm sure I will share. But foster expectation, I can hear God. I can hear God. I can encounter God. I was designed to encounter God. I was designed to connect with God. I can hear the Holy Spirit. I can hear the Holy Spirit cultivate an expectant heart, one that believes and anticipates and looks forward to divine encounters, foster expectation. You're not demanding it. You're just saying what the Lord says of you, okay? That you were created for connection. You were created for relationship. It's not like he brought you into the family. Then you don't get to experience him until you die and go to heaven. Hebrews eleven six says that those who come to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him foster expectation and that expectation you'll begin to line yourself up put your place in put yourself in places where you can have divine encounters now one of my favorite people in the world is steve backland i just mentioned wendy backland uh steve and wendy backland do igniting hope ministries have some amazing resources on hope how to change your mind and things like that. One thing I love that he says about expectation and declarations and hope and positive thinking. And um, he says something like this. Uh, this is his quote that I'm not sure he says exactly like this, but he says, I am not a positive thinker. I'm a scriptural optimist. Boom. 
I am not a positive thinker. I'm a scriptural optimist. I love that. I'm not saying, you know, just think positive. I'm saying line up your mind with God's word and everything will look better. When it comes to divine encounters, it's not just like, I'm going to check this list. Oh, I did these four things and I didn't encounter God. Oh, I went to this conference. I didn't encounter God. It's a heart journey. It's a long journey. It's about the journey. It's about the journey life. It's about cultivating a heart that's honest, repentant, humble, full of scripture, loving, surrendered, forgiving, grateful, expectant, hope-filled. It's not always easy, but it's always rewarding. There is a reward we just heard for seeking God. I want to challenge you to seek God encounters. All right. You will just in the seeking, you will become more attuned to God's voice, more sensitive to his presence and more receptive to his work in your life. All right. When we cultivate an open heart to seek encounters, we actually are preparing ourselves for rich, life-changing, transformative encounters with our loving Father. All right. God bless you. I'll see you later. Bye.